We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. I, Unless I misread the content schedule, which was beautifully rendered by Andrew Claudio, um, this is coming out on game day, which means it's game day. <laughs> Did you like that, Jeremy? Hello, Jeremy Cohen. <laughs> hey, John. It's Cavs preview week, baby. Anything goes. Um, we've reached the end of Cavs preview week and like, I forgot what this was like where you had, and really it's been more than a week because like we kind of, we, this matchup was set in stone, what three days before three games before the end of the regular season. So it's like, I just want to see a game being played now between the two teams that we've spent a whole lot of time thinking and talking about. Um, that said, I have not had time to talk about this series with you. So I am just going to start with a extraordinarily open-ended question, which is like, what are your thoughts? How are you feeling? Take it wherever you want to go. Well, the, the awesome thing about going last is that I get to hear everyone's thoughts and opinions. And the, the crappy part about it is everyone gets to take my thoughts and feelings I already had. Like, John, I don't know if you know this, but the Cavs, not a great defensive rebounding team. You know, I'm going to I'm sure it's a brand new stat for you and a lot of the people listening. But uh, with that being said, like, it's just that's that's one way the Knicks can really attack it. So uh, but my generally speaking, I'm in a good place. You know, I think that this is this is a very evenly matched in terms of the the four fives. I I love the fact that the Knicks get to take on the Cavs. I think it's going to be fun no matter what. Where I kind of differ maybe from others. I don't know. I can't speak for other people. I'm I'm comfortable with what happens. I'm at the point where I would love, absolutely love to see the Knicks get to the second round. Who amongst us wouldn't? But I'm also thinking about, you know, this is a Cavs team that did the thing in terms of they pushed their chips to the front of the table and they got Donovan Mitchell. And the Knicks didn't. And I'm not saying that in like, a, oh my God, I can't believe the Knicks didn't get Donovan Mitchell type situation. I'm saying that for the Cavs, their whole thing is it's it's really not about the Knicks. It's not about Donovan Mitchell. It's about 
we have to validate our trade because we bet that Donovan Mitchell can be a great player and also that Evan Mobley can even surpass him. And for the Knicks, it's really much more would have been a nice have. Totally understand why the Cavs went for it and got what they did. It doesn't come down to the Donovan Mitchell trade. It doesn't validate it one way or the other. And I'm, I'm glad because I haven't seen a ton of that this past week of Donovan Mitchell and, and blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it's great. It's the aftermath. Even if the Knicks win, I don't really want to hear anything about Donovan Mitchell. If the Knicks don't win the series, I also don't really want to hear anything about Donovan Mitchell. They are connected and they're completely separate at the same time. So with all that being said, I still feel really good about this series. Uh, just in terms of, I'm happy to be here. I'm just happy to be here. You know, it's getting back. It's about getting back to respectability and the Knicks are a respectable franchise again. So that's where I'm at. Where are you? I'm well, where I am with the very last thing you just said is I am at a place where I'm reminded of something. A wise man once quoted from a show that had many wise lines and uh, it is, well, it's really a question and answer. What is happiness, Jeremy? Simo, before you, you need more happiness. <laughs> yep. You need more happiness. Yep. Um, so you, I think I'm happy to be here as well. Um, and I could say, for as much as I picked the Nick, I I don't know if it, we may need to get a we may need to get a rules official official up here. Am I allowed to pick the Knicks in seven and also not think the Knicks are actually going to win the series, or do those two things not? Is there is there no Venn diagram in which I mean they're they're kind of diametrically opposed? Like you're saying the exact opposite of what the first thing was, right? I am. So I guess I can't have my cake and eat it too here. In, in this case, I don't believe you can. I can't. Look, I I want the Knicks to win. Do I believe that after however many games this series is going to be played, that the Knicks are going to be victorious? I don't believe that. Intellectually, I could wrap my mind around it. I could see a scenario where the Knicks win the series. I can do the mental math and like the matchups and like, you know, how this can arrive at a Knicks victory. And I could talk myself into the pick that I've made, which is Nixon seven in my heart of hearts. I am not expecting them to win this series. So that probably makes no sense, which is fine. No, I'll live with it. I actually get where you're coming from. Do you? Okay. Well, it's the head and the heart, right? Yeah. It's the head and the heart. So yes, they're, they're in conflict, but I, you still, even though you you believe that Knicks and seven could be the case, you also recognize that the Cavs are favored to win, and they should be. They have been a better team this year. Can I say one other thing? Yes, you may. I I think now, yeah, this is how I justify it. It points to the absurdity of making picks before these series, because we have no idea what the hell is going to happen, and I know we're like content creators um we provide things like picks and and picks are part of the content we provide that gets then picked apart and and dissected i don't know what the hell is going to happen you don't know what the hell is going to happen no one knows what's, what what the hell is going to happen i again i would love to to believe that the knicks are going to win the series in 7 i think like you this is going to be a a closely matched series i think also like you i think you just said it uh, or maybe you didn't say it. I'm just hearing things. The Cavs are the better team. Do you think the Cavs are the better team? And I okay. do believe that. Yes. Okay. 
So we're on the same page about all of those things. And, f- and this is my extraordinarily long-winded way of getting around to the point, as I want to do, which is that I think I'm in the same place as you, which is that I am kind of happy to be here with one caveat in that there are... And this is true of the Cavs as well as the Knicks. And this gets into the bigger picture stuff that you were just talking about. I think where I differ from you, and this is a credit to you for having the capacity to not only zoom out, but trust that the zoom out is the accurate picture as opposed to the pie in the sky. Cause I think you're right. I think when you zoom out, there really isn't a whole lot of downside here for the Knicks. I don't have the ability to do that as well as you. So I'm more focused on the, on the micro, which is how the narratives will play out. If this goes a certain way and it goes a certain way, um, by the path of Donovan Mitchell going a certain way. And it is a, a probably a very good way in terms of how he produces in the series. And I fear that. So from that perspective, there is a little bit of a more, more of an edge to where I'm at mentally going into the series, poppycock or not. Um, but like, and, that, and just to, to put a fine point on what you were saying, and then I'll, I, I'm curious what your thoughts on this. If the Cavs had never traded for Donovan Mitchell, and they went into this and let's in this magical. Well, no, let, actually, yeah, let's in this magical world, give them the version of Laurie Markin in that like existed last year. So we don't we can't foresee Laurie Markin and turning into a borderline all NBA player who would have been picked to finish with a better record this season. The Cavs or the Knicks, do you think if you're having this year's version of Laurie Markin? No, if you had if you gave me if you gave me the the. um Cavs with Colin Sexton with Laurie Markin, but not having the, I don't know if it's hindsight or foresight, not knowing uh, like that Laurie Markin and, and Colin Sexton were going to be better. And sure. in all likelihood, I don't think Laurie Markin would have become this if he had stayed on the Cavs. My point is basically like they had it, they didn't make the Donovan Mitchell trade. We're sitting here and it's October 5th. Who do you think most pundits are picking to finish with a better record, the Knicks or the Cavs? One more question. Sure. If, if the Cavs are not taking Mitchell, are the Knicks getting Mitchell? No, in this case? they're not. He, he okay. goes, he, so it's he, just straight up. Yes. In this case, I would say it would be the Knicks, right? Because by a lot or a little, by a decent amount. I mean, like the conversation, of course, that you and Fred were having, where you talked about how the two of the three best players are in this series are Knicks. So if yes. one of the, if the best player, that being Donovan Mitchell, is not on the team, then the Knicks have the two best players in the series. And to me, that's that says a lot, right? That is pretty significant. Wait, hold on. Maybe I didn't. Are you acting with hindsight? I'm talking about back in October before we knew we were getting this version of Julius Randle and this version of Jalen Brunson. Uh, that's okay. what, that's yes. the question. I was gotcha. I, um, no, my, I, this was not, this was a very convoluted way of getting <laughs> to a point that I'm trying to make. So so, so it's yeah. it's both the rosters, both the rosters from the perspective of, of October when they did yes. not have Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks yes. were shaping up. To, okay. I thought the Knicks were going to be seven, eight play in type. And I thought the Cavs are going to be around that without Donovan Mitchell. Okay. So if there was this matchup, it'd probably be, yeah, maybe in the playoffs. So playout. flip a coin around there. Sure. Okay. That is the reason why your point needs to be a much more emphasized one going into the series. And it is not a more emphasized one because the only thing that the Knicks did this season is exceeded expectations with what they already had. What the Cavs did between 
when we thought they were going to go into this year with the roster that did not have Donovan Mitchell on it. And now is they went out and they traded all that stuff for Donovan Mitchell. So that's, I'm just trying to put a explanation point on your point, which is that we should not be looking at this as any pressure on the Knicks whatsoever. But of course, of course we are. That's yeah. Yeah. And the last thing that I want to do right now before the playoffs even begin is eulogize this season, right? Because the Knicks, no, I feel, no. I feel yeah. they have a very good chance here. It's more just taking a step back. And I think it helps us kind of appreciate the playoffs a little bit more if we do that, right? The way I see it is from my vantage point where I'm standing, it's just anything goes. If you make it to the second round, then you beat a team that traded a lot for Donovan Mitchell. And that's fine because they will have other seasons in order to do that. It was not hinging upon beating the Knicks or this one series. And if you lose, you lost to a team that went for it. That is focusing more on the now than the Knicks are. And the beauty of that is the Knicks don't have to focus on the now. They've been making upgrades every single offseason, or rather I should say they have been trying to make upgrades every single offseason. Did not go exactly as planned last season. This past season, they got back to where they are. The way that I also see it is that first year they, you know, they won 41 games, lost 31, made it to the first round. We went in there thinking, at least the majority of us, I know Andrew, of course, picked the Hawks. Uh, you know, like the Knicks are going to be, it's going to be a really good series. Fourth seed, they have home court advantage, they've got better players, you know, whatever it is, Julius Randle. It didn't go that way. Part of it is kind of reflecting on it. Like, I don't want to feel that way again where I felt so confident only to see it go that way. So it's tempering my expectations. But there's also the portion of me that says this team is so different than the one that we saw two years ago. Whereas that felt like a flash in the pan type situation. This feels like the beginning of something that's consistent. Yes. And when you consider that for a lot of these players, they need years under their belt. They need experience. Like it would be great to see them move on. I want to see it. Of course, I want to see it. We all want to see it. All who are Knicks fans, all of us listening to this want to see it. I'm just cool with the option of just don't embarrass yourself. Just play a respectable, hard-fought series and don't go out sad exactly like last time. I don't want to ever feel like game five where the Hawks just shot the lights out and made the Knicks feel so far away than they actually were. It's almost like... um This isn't the best example, right? But I'm a Giants fan. The Giants had a great win against the Vikings in the playoffs. First time back in the playoffs in ages. A little different, obviously. The Knicks made the playoffs a couple years ago. But other than that, it had been a long time. Giants beat the Vikings. Really exciting. Uh, Next to playing the Eagles. And you just know it's not going to be a great game. But you're still in it. You're still in it. Still focus on it. And then the Eagles destroyed the Giants to show, yes, you won. But you're pretty far away. But there's there's something, there's a nucleus there. There's something yeah. to build on. And that's exactly what I want. Whereas the last time it was just, damn, this uh this sucks. <laughs> this is this is embarrassing. Whereas if this is a hard fought series, this goes to seven, whatever it is, like whatever it might be, it's okay. Keep going, keep moving upwards. Great. I I think you you absolutely nailed it. That's the how, not the what. Mm-hmm. The what could go a few different ways and it'd be okay. The how is far more important. And the other thing, which is, again, I feel, and maybe this is just 
me arriving at a place where again I, I don't I don't have all the confidence in the world going into this series because and it's not because I don't think a lot of the Knicks it's because I think so highly of the Cavs bingo and and they are I always get my odds mixed up let me make sure I get this correct yeah they're minus two fifteen so essentially the Cavs are two to one favorites uh, to win the series. That was not the case two years ago against the Hawks. The Knicks and the Hawks were maybe Andrew remembers exactly what it, what it was. I want to say it was more or less even money. Um, that's, is that your recollection too, Jeremy? It was definitely closer than that. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, oh, it was way, way closer. I think the Knicks may have been, may have been favored. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think they were slight favorites. If they, that sure. sounds right. I think, and most people, a lot of people picked them. I mean, there were yeah. a few people who picked the Hawks, but most people pick uh, the Knicks. So like there's that and then like you say the foundation I think and then you you know you turn around and you're like okay well what are the what's the how that could be really troubling and my mind I don't know about you my mind immediately jumps to Julius Randle if Julius Randle has the sort of series that he had 2 years ago cuz I don't I just don't foresee a, a world where like a Jalen Brunson or an Emmanuel quickly um has the sort of series that would that would raise like massive concerns about either of those players or like a Quentin Grimes for that matter, like your core pieces that you want to either are your best assets or we hope, I think core pieces moving forward or even like a Mitchell Robinson, Julius is the one and Julius is hurt. So like there's going to now that complicates things that I don't, again, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Let's see how he looks. And, and before we start diagnosing what went wrong, let's hope he looks good. And he plays well. I think that would be lovely. Um, but I just, yeah, the Cavs are, I mean, they're really good. I, I, I've said it a few times and I'll say it again. I think there's a real possibility that the Knicks are facing in this playoff series with the caveat that Phoenix is a different team than they their record shows. So like the fifth best team in the league, is it crazy that the the Cavs might be the fifth best team in basketball and the Knicks might be, let's say the sixth best team in ba- or, you know, fifth, sixth in some order. Like, I don't think that's nuts. Nor do I. And I agree. It's, it has nothing to do with the Knicks. It has a lot to do with the fact that the Cavs in the regular season, of course, that's all we can base on. But this season, they have been a dominant team. They have yes. been phenomenal. So, but that's the beauty of it. Basketball's not played on paper. It's played on a court. So we'll see. There are ample opportunities. Um, what, what are some of the, th- like if I had to ask you right now, the thing that is worrying you the most about, it could be completely general, mm. you know, it could be from a macro perspective or it could be zooming in. Where are you at right now? Um, I, know you, I know you and Benji talked about it a little bit, but yeah, I'll, I'll, where you're at. I'll go to, Julius, I'm worried the most about Julius, and I'm worried the most about Julius if only because what we saw leading up to the injury was they were there to for me at least. There were shades of the player that gave us all a fair bit of, or me at least. I won't speak for you. I think he gave you a few headaches, maybe not as many as me, because I was I was doing the post games. So yeah, that it, there were shades of that player, and I it was frankly scary to see that guy come back. Now maybe it was just the mental fatigue of the season, and maybe this injury will actually wind up being the best thing that could have happened to him. Um, 
but if if that would be the thing because like if if the if Jalen Brunson does his job, which I suspect Jalen Brunson will do his job and make the right play and make some tough shots and do all the things that we've seen Jalen Brunson all year. If if that's Jalen Brunson in this series, then Julius Randle is going to have an opportunity to look like an all-star. And I phrase it that way very particularly because like yes, he'll still have to make tough shots. But the tough shots will not be the sort of tough shots with all the pressure on him like it was two years ago where all the attention was focused on him. Now, I think the attention is going to be focused very much on Jalen Brunson. So it's going to be like, all right, Julius, you're going to have a, a, I don't want to say an easy opportunity. It's not going to be easy, but an easier path to success. So if in the face of that slightly easier path, he was not able to come up big, I think there would be some very difficult questions that would get asked. That's why that's my biggest concern heading into the series. Other than that, I honestly can't say I can't say I have that many concerns. To me, it's just let's roll the ball out there and, and see what happens and you know let the chips fall where they may. What about I mean, you? It's, well, it's absolutely fair to have him be up there. So I'm going to zoom out a little bit more. I And this might have actually been mentioned in a previous pod that you did. I'm worried about the turnover uh, situation. Okay. I think, I think the possession battle is going to be absolutely key here. And it, you know, it's interesting because of the fact that the Knicks point of cleaning the glass turnover wise, I mean, they, they protect the ball really well, right? Fifth in the league. Uh, meanwhile, Cleveland was 11th. So that's great. Yep. It's the defensive side. And uh, a lot of my concerns kind of stem from Cleveland's defense in that the Cavs were number three in forcing turnovers and the Knicks were 25th. And I've just been thinking a lot about my biggest worry is that it kind of, the turnover situation exposes the lack of defense on the wing to a greater extent than we have seen, right? Like we, we can talk about, and I feel for RJ because his name is getting dragged through the mud but also I can't say that it's not warranted, right? Like I can't in what specific way, yeah. just in the, in the sense of this is someone who has really been going through it, uh, just struggling. We, we can cite all of the numbers and just how he's not closing games as nearly as much with Josh Hart here. And yet there are reasons why we're talking about it. It's not just us going out of our way to do it. It's this is in a, in a series where a team will look to exploit, what they perceive as a weakness, they're going to do it. They're going to hunt for mismatches as much as they can. And I just worry that this exposes how the Knicks lack someone who is a bigger, stronger, better defender. At I'll the get back to that. And the reason why I'm thinking about this is because a lot of folks might point to last year's team where you had Jalen Brunson, especially the games that Luka missed, talking about. You know, I'm not really worried about the Jazz uh, in the sense of, you know, like it's it's fine. I'm sorry, I should, I'm not worried about the Cavs because of how Jalen Brunson broke down the Jazz. Yeah, that was a big thought. And look, it's hard to find above all be all stats or all in one. I'm just looking at EPM, just specifically defensive, the defensive plus minus here, right? Of DPM, and if you look at the Cavs for their rotation pieces, right? They've got 
Dean Wade, Jared Allen, Isaac Okoro, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, Darius Garland. That's six yep. players who are all in the 80th percentile or better <laughs> on the defensive end. And then you cut to the Jazz of last year, right? Okay. And it was basically Gobert and it was Conley. That's it. No one else who could get to that level defensively. And then when you look at what happened last year as well, I mean, the Jazz were one of the worst teams in the NBA in terms of creating turnovers. Their turnover percentage on the defensive end was terrible. And they actually did worse defensively in terms of creating turnovers against the Mavs than they did throughout the regular season. Granted, six games, small sample size, obviously. But when you see Jalen Brunson post, what, like a 41-point game with no turnovers? I... On one hand, it's great because Jalen Brunson's on the Knicks and the Knicks could really use a player like that. And that is certainly their benefit. That's what the glass half full would be. The glass half empty would be, okay, but this is a better defensive team than what Jalen Brunson faced last year. There wasn't much of a perimeter point of attack defense compared to what the Jazz might have now. At least the Cavs have now, you mean. The Cavs, I keep confusing, yeah, because... Of Donovan Mitchell, but yes, and that's that's there where I get a little bit concerned is when the half court offense, which the Knicks have been better at this year, at least since the um, December fourth, that's improved. But when they get flustered, it gets a little dicey. There's the quick decision making is a little bit tricky, and I'm worried, especially with some of the actions that we saw. Like I thought the Pacers were really one of the first teams a few months ago that exposed the Knicks inability to act as quickly and as methodically as possible. And I just, I just worry, especially if Julius is not playing or not 100% that the decision-making is going to get frantic and that's going to cause more turnovers and then more turnovers are going to lead to more points and more possessions. So that's, that's my number one issue when zooming out. For over 30 years, the law offices of Weiss and Rosenblum in New York City has been home to a team of award-winning, hard-hitting injury attorneys who have a long track record of seven-figure results. Whether you've been injured in a car accident, fall, construction accident, or other traumatic event, Weiss and Rosenblum will work tirelessly to maximize the award, regardless of the severity of your injury, and get you and your family the fair and just compensation you deserve. Call Weiss and Rosenblum today at 212-366-6100. Again, that's 212-366-6100 or visit weissandrosenbloom.com for more information. No case is too big or too small. Personal attention to your matter is a priority. Once more, call 212-366-6100. Previous results do not guarantee future outcomes. If you think you might have a case, speak with a veteran attorney, not a rookie. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about Game Time. Is there an upcoming event you're trying to get tickets to? Whether it be tickets to one of the final home games of the Knicks season, or maybe it's a concert or a comedy show. Whatever it is, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for the fun you're going to have. Currently browsing through the Game Time app, and I see all the events coming up in the area. Whether it be the Knicks' first home playoff game against Cleveland, or maybe the Rangers' first home playoff game against the Devils, the Game Time app is so easy to navigate. You can search by category, like sports, music, or shows, or search by teams, like the Yankees, Islanders, or Knicks. I have to say that my favorite feature is the full 3D peripheral view you get whenever you select a seat. Just select a seat that's within your price range, move the phone from left to right and get a good idea of the view you'll have during the event. Game Time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Game Time is also the fastest growing ticketing app in the country, and for a good reason. As I mentioned, get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, just two taps and you're set. Tickets are then sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use promo code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off your first purchase. Again, create an account and redeem code FILMSCHOOL for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. You've got New Year's goals, and HelloFresh is here to help you achieve them. Take control of your time and budget with delicious recipes delivered right to your door. Looking for an easy way to eat well and save money this year? Cut back on expensive takeout and delivery and get started with HelloFresh. You'll love how easy, fun, and affordable it is to whip up a restaurant-quality meal right in your own kitchen. With fast and fresh recipes, HelloFresh's latest line of meals featuring robust flavors and filling portions are ready in less than 50 minutes. Enjoy taste and quality done quick with recipes like falafel power bowls, seared steak and potatoes with béarnaise sauce, or southwest pork and bean burritos. If you're like me and just don't have time for food shopping, let the groceries come to you. Don't hesitate. Head to HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code FilmSchool50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. Again, that's HelloFresh.com slash FilmSchool50 and use code Film. School 50 for 50% off plus your first box ships free. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. 
it puts so much pressure on Jalen Brunson to like talk about steering the ship. Like he can't have a moment where both hands aren't on the wheel and like securely fast. Like, and and that's whether Julius is in there or not. And that, and then there's kind of the oxymoron, right? Because you just said, well, if Julius isn't out there, well, suddenly it's Jalen Brunson and a bunch of guys who are suddenly thrust into a situation that they have not been in with all the respect to everything that Emmanuel quickly has done this year in some massive games with all the respect to the playoff experience quickly. And uh, RJ got, uh, and, and Obi, if you want to throw him in there two years ago, with all respect to the fact that RJ Barrett carried uh, the Knicks as an offensive piece a season ago, with all due respect to all of that. And it, and that's why it's funny. Like you talk about RJ's name getting dragged through the mud He's the guy who I'd have the most faith in in keeping a steady head and a steady hand if, again, like Julius is not in there and they needed someone else to just calmly be like, okay, it's all right. I know what we have to do here. I got this. Because that's the thing about RJ. For as much as I and other people will kill him about flatly not making enough shots and occasionally making some poor decisions, that's different than getting flustered. And I don't I don't think RJ Barrett gets flustered and that's why he is he remains my X factor for the series just like a couple other things and it um one if anybody is like well it's fancy advanced stats or nonsense we know Darius Garland is a good defender and and Karis LeVert's not a good defender and Mitchell's not a good like whatever the fact that all those players that you listed from Cleveland have those EPMs it doesn't DPS. matter yeah. So, yeah. DPS. Whether it doesn't matter whether it's an indication of whether they are individually strong defenders or not, it is an indication that this year they grade out as good defenders because they are doing something right and sustainable on the defensive end that is really hard to rattle. And I think that is going to translate because at the base of it, you have not only a very good rim protector in Jared Allen, but someone in Mobley who is essentially the queen on the, the chessboard on that end of the court. So when you put those things together, I think that there's a pretty high floor there defensively. And then, and this relates to your, your other point, and this is another fear of mine. You want to take a guess as to how many games this season the Knicks out of 82 shot 30% or below from uh, three-point range in, uh, in a game? There were a lot of them early in the season. <laughs> so, a lot. Oh my god. Uh, I'm gonna go with 25. You're almost. You're off by one. They shot 30 uh, percent or below uh, 24 times, which is almost a third of the season. Now, um, you are correct. There are some from early in the season. I'm counting just from October and November. Uh, one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, so ten from before December fourth. Or sorry, yeah. So pre-Cavs game, and it's funny, their worst shooting game of the season from three is the Cavs game on December fourth, the game that turned their season around. Neither team could hit the far side of a barn in that game, but it was that also because uh, the what? most travels. Sorry to cut you off. I, uh, oh yeah, no. The yeah, most yeah, yeah, yes, that game. Disaster. I was in there. It was awful. Sorry, so go on. Yeah, no. It's, so only only fourteen. If you want to say it's in the relevant portion of their season. So um, 
you know, the last, uh, what is it, 59 games because, yeah, they were 10 and 13. So 14 out of 59. That's not that bad. The playoffs are also a different animal. And, like, I am of the belief that if the Knicks are going to win the series, they're going to have to shoot it. And they're going to shoot it whenever they're open. And that doesn't just mean Quentin Grimes. That means if if it's Brunson, if it's Randall, if it's or if it's Obi, if and then the one wild card is kind of RJ because like if he's wide open, does he put it on the floor? Does he shoot it? But like quick, like all these guys, they're going to have to shoot it. Um, I fully believe that. And this is a team that you know is just not a great shooting team. They haven't been a great shooting team all year, so. That's a concern um, for sure. And like if the sh- and then it leads me back to what you said. If the shots aren't falling, do they have that kind of metal to to stay like mentally engaged? Stay. I think they'll stay mentally engaged defensively, even if the shots aren't falling on offense. But like and then that gets back to what the Cavs could do on offense. And they're a dangerous team. So like there's a lot of things here where it's just like you could look at different segments of the series and be like, man, if this doesn't go right, if that doesn't go right, if that doesn't go right. And then you look at it from a Cavs perspective. It's like, what could really go wrong for let's let's maybe that's how we should kind of end this. What what do you think could go wrong for the Cavs in this series? Because I, I, I'll just be honest, like there's nothing glaring to me. I, I guess you could say like the Knicks physical nature will kind of not intimidate them. I don't think that's going to be the case, but like, you know, they'll get into foul trouble. They won't be, as you said at the top, they won't crash the boards. Like they'll kind of start to cower a little bit and like get beaten down over the course of a series. I don't know if I have something better than that. Uh, I would probably go with the Knicks hitting threes. Okay. Because, well, I mean, it isn't the sense of how, if you are the Cavs, I mean, in terms of, your three-point percentage, right? Like Fred wrote a great article in terms of how the Knicks want to get to the rim. Cavs want players to get to the rim. Yep. Um, <laughs> but then from a three-point standpoint, I mean, they're 25th in terms of defensive three-point accuracy. Uh, so And worse from the corners. They get, they, they're, they, their three-point shooters, I think, are the second most accurate um, in the league against Cleveland. Right. So... The game plan it then would seem to be, okay, well, drive and kick. And then find the open man. And the corners, of course, in this case, what the Knicks love to do, that would be ideal. And that's why for me, I see a lot of I see a lot of discourse specific, specifically on Twitter about when it comes to someone like RJ, who like the pissed, the Pelicans game. Uh incredible from two. Yeah. Over nine from three. And then an emphasis on, well, RJ just should focus more on shooting twos. He shouldn't be shooting as many threes. And I saw it a lot. And I just sat there on my phone or my computer. I'm like, what? No, no. That's, that's the antithesis of the Knicks game plan. The yeah. Knicks want players to shoot threes. They want them to keep doing it. And if RJ stops doing that, it collapses a lot. And it's it the chicken or the egg, isn't it? Right. I would rather RJ Barrett shoot an open three than to, to drive because I should rephrase. He is so good at driving. I want him to drive, but I also want him to kick out a little bit more. Um, that, but that's been something that's kind of been RJ's thing all career, really. Um, at least most of his career. Point being, I, I don't want them to change up the game plan 
to such a degree where it throws everything off. Because that's also why you have Josh Hart there. It's why you have Emmanuel quickly. It's why you have Quentin Grimes. It's you can find ways to to work around it if you find that someone's struggling. If someone doesn't have a hot shooting night, yep. there's someone else who can. It's just next man up mentality. That's it. But don't radically change everything that you've been doing because then it kind of falls in on itself. And I just, I'd really rather not see that. I just, just stick to the game plan. It's what got you here. Make adjustments where necessary. Don't do anything radical. If you're, I, I, yeah, I've seen the same thing and it frustrates me too, because there are, correct me if I'm wrong. There are two perimeter players. And I don't even know if I would consider Draymond Green a perimeter player, but let's for all those purposes, he is because he operates on the perimeter a lot. There are two perimeter players in the league, Draymond and Jimmy Butler, who, who have, made a, a significant impact on the game. I'm, I've, I'm not talking about centers, obviously, and like bigs who, who live down low, who can, who can make a significant imprint on a game where everybody in the arena knows that they're not going to shoot a three. And even as I say that, Jimmy Butler has he, he hit a lot of threes this year, you know, for him at least. So like, I don't even know if he, but uh, I'll throw his name in there as well. It's just like it has to be a part of your game because if a team that you're playing knows that you're not going to shoot a three I just don't I just think they become so much easier to guard when he's out there when RJ is out there and I understand the whole thing about you give him the runway I'm I'm not as I am not as confident that that will turn out well for the Knicks now what I will say and and this is maybe like at the end of the day it's like (laughs) What does a playoff series often comes down to? It often comes down to your best players hitting tough shots. If Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle can make life difficult enough and painful enough, and you could throw Emmanuel quickly in there too, and you can, honestly you could even throw Quentin Grimes in there too, with his ability to penetrate a defense with quick decision making, and and get it to whether it's a, a Mitch or a Hardenstein or whoever is cutting, you know, any of those guys. If they can really make life difficult enough that they could keep pulling those those help defenders in to the paint and kick out and make and like you say make those threes, that's how the Knicks win the series. You know, I don't I don't think the formula is that complicated. It's just like, can they do it? And I, you know, we'll, we'll find out starting today as, as you're listening to this. Yeah, and if you're you said your X factor is RJ. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, he is. He's mine too, and. I've got something. This will come up in the off season. For I mean, we'll have a lot of stats for different players in the off season. But I was playing around with cleaning the glass, and this really stood out to me. If you have RJ Barrett on the floor, and you have Fournier, Sims, and Rose sitting, there have been Fournier, Sims, and Rose sitting. Okay, right. So I, I mean, listen, you can play with numbers in a way. It's tricky because if you sort out all of the the negative players, it's going to reduce positive, but. But these are players who are also outside of the rotation, which just goes to show I tried to find the players who really weren't there. If you do that, and you have RJ on the floor. The Knicks are in the 71st percentile, uh, a difference of plus 2.9. That's good. That's yeah, that very is, good. That is good. You want RJ in there. That's a positive. Can I guess the off-court number? So yes, if you take those three players and you have RJ off the court, there have been 1,781 possessions. So keep in mind that is uh, half, but still a significant sample That's, size. It's a uh, lot of it's a lot of possessions. Yes. Would you like to guess what percentile and what difference it is? 
Um, I'm not going to guess the percentile. I'm going to guess that they are plus. Is it between eight and ten? No. It's not between eight and ten. It's not. Oh my god! It's not higher than ten. It's not higher than ten. Is it higher than ten? Yeah. What's the number? It's plus sixteen. That is that right? Oh plus sixteen. Ninety ninth percentile. It's the ninety ninth percentile in points per possession on offense, and is the eighty fourth percentile on points per possession on defense. And there's um, a lot of Josh Hartman. We should note there's a lot of Josh Hartman. Of course, in there. And this this team was flying right high when they and, got and Josh Hart. So I'm not saying that this is stable, right? I'm not saying this is going to be across the board. It's, and I'm not saying that the RJ numbers that he had were bad. I, it's more of a a context thing because even with everything about RJ Barrett, I want it to be known that there are still some positive minutes that we have seen there. A lot of times he's being weighed down by players who are now out of the rotation. Yep. But then when you look at the other players, are they also to a degree being weighed down by RJ? Based on how we've seen it. So I'm with you. He is also my X factor. It's going to be a really fascinating series. Obviously, hope things go well for all parties involved. Um, but he's got to kick it to another gear for the Knicks to be able to make the next round. Well, and and if he's not able to, it's got to be on. And again, this goes for every player on the roster. If they don't have it and they have not proven that they have it that night or, or in general, because let's be honest, Brunson and Randall are going to get the benefit of the doubt which makes sense. As um, <laughs> then we're going to like, we could talk about other players. How, if they don't have it, let's get someone else in there. But unfortunately this season, RJ has been the most glaring of all of that. So he takes the shots and that's just the way it, it simply has to be. We can still talk about other players, but he is the, the number one thing that your eye goes to. So let's, let's hope for a good series from him and from everyone, from everyone. I hope for the same, um, like, <laughs> I don't want to get ahead of myself. That this is a big series for him, and I, I, I completely agree with you. It's not, and th- this is where I think the conversation devolves into um, certainly toxicity, but just like it's, it's not fruitful. This year. And this season, or sorry, this year and this this playoffs, it's not a referendum on R.J. Barrett in nope. any way, shape, or form. R.J. Barrett is 22 years old. R.J. Barrett has already shown for a three-and-a-half-month stretch that he could be a 24-point scorer in the NBA. I understand those circumstances were perhaps unique, um, that the season had kind of already started to tilt on its, on its axis and, and eventually capsize. I get all of that. If you are someone that could average 24 a game for three and a half months and do it on like not even if it's not the best efficiency, but you could you could do it with a straight face in terms of how often you are putting the ball in the basket. And he did enough for me to the point that I was sat on here and praised him after many a game last season. Mm-hmm. If you could do that, you're a player. Might take a little bit of work to figure out the fit and like the home and all that stuff. You're a player. RJ Barrett's a player. He's going to be a player. He's going to help teams win basketball games a lot in his NBA career. Mm-hmm. But the portion of his existence on the Knicks in which it's like, okay, we will have the patience. We will have the patience. We will have the patience. I, If it wasn't over already, I, be, I believe 
it will end this summer. That is, my, you may not share. I don't want to get into the whole thing. I know you. We don't need to. We, do we that got a whole now. summer to talk about. We have a whole summer to talk. About. We don't need to get into it. Fourteen now. players on the roster. Yes. But again, that's where the conversation is at now, which is like if this team is ready to win at a at a to, to a greater degree, and they are looking to perhaps perhaps shift gears in some way, shape, or form in terms of what they do this summer to make that happen. That is why this is a very important series for RJ Barrett, in my opinion. That's just me. Yeah. I, again, trying to stay in the moment. I just want to say for all of the players who are going to see action, I don't feel that any... I've had this thought for a while, and Zach Lowe confirmed it when you and Ian were talking, where it just it's such a small sample size that it can't take away from the 82 we've seen before. The moments are different. The brights, the, the lights are brighter. It all matters. But I just think back as well to like the NCAA tournament where there are players whose stock shoots up because they had a great tournament and they've been really poor the rest of the year or just okay. And there's so much attention on a national stage. Like, well, look at what this guy did when it mattered most. Like, that's important. Of course, we have to look at the entire body of work. So... Absolutely, hundred percent. I know you're not dis- disagreeing yeah. with that. I, I totally hear you. It's more me just having a PSA of whether things go well or poorly for pretty much everyone. It shouldn't. It shouldn't have an impact on whether a player should be here short term, long term, no term, whatever it is. It's it's just it's four to seven games against one opponent, and it's a chess match every single time. And. To just to put a finer point on it, this is a big series for RJ Barrett. Those are the words that came out of Zach Lowe's mouth in his yeah. pre- preview of this of this series with uh, with David Thorpe uh, that came out yesterday. That's number one, and number two, I'm a- approaching this from a perspective of we have 82 games worth of evidence that perhaps RJ is not the best fit for this core. I think this is a series that can shift that narrative back in the positive direction. I don't I think we're at a certain point right now and it like it's not that this series is going to be the series that gets RJ Barrett out of town. I am a personal of the opinion that like he may be on that path anyway and maybe what he does in this series and and God willing more than this series the, the series and the Knicks continue playing can give some of the decision makers in New York a, a pause and have a second thought and be like, well, hold up, wait a minute. Let's not get hasty here and just get this guy out of town for the purpose of getting him out of town. That's, I want to be just very specific about where I'm, I'm coming from. Understand. And yeah. when the series is over, we will have ample time to <laughs> rehash well, it. And hopefully we'll be able to talk about the next series that features the Knicks against the winner of uh, the Bucks and whoever will be the eighth what, seed, which people listening to this will know by that point. Yes. What's your pick? Dude, you have to give a pick, don't you? I do. You're saying in terms of the series. Knicks, Cavs. What, are the, what yes. is your pick? My head says the Cavs, and my heart says seven games. I want to... There's a part of me that feels like they can do it in six. There, it's funny, because a lot of these series... At least it feels that way. And maybe I'm wrong, so please correct me if I'm wrong, John. A lot of the series where the uh, in the opening weekend, the away team steals a game. Yeah. But then it shifts back and it, it kind of gets neutralized in some way. I want to say this is 2-2 two, two after 4. 
after that, after that, I get, I get very curious about where it goes. I think the bottom line is a lot of the games are going to be close. Um, so my prediction will be that at least four of them are are extremely close. I'm talking about like within what five, seven points, seven points, right? That's usually we'll clutch. Yeah, I mean. Five. Among the, uh, I had this stat in the newsletter today, among the uh, teams that are currently in the playoff field, and as we are speaking, the Heat are not and the Wolves are not, but both of those teams have exceeded what I'm about to say. The Cavs and the Knicks are tied with the Sixers for the most games in which there was a clutch situation. So last five minutes score within five points at 45 a pop. The Sixers are pretty good in those situations. The Cavs and the Knicks are both about 500 teams. Um yeah. Which is funny because at least three, if not four, because I'm blanking on the fourth game, there were no clutch minutes, really. Right? Because um, the, I mean, the, there were definitely clutch minutes in the third in The third, the third game is the one I'm blanking on. So that probably. Oh, the third was, game that was clutch because that was the Hardenstein bl- uh, block right, at the yes. very end. Yeah. Blockenstein. Yes. Yeah. Bl- <laughs> yes. <laughs> Blockenstein. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't think that quite tells the story. You're right, by the it, way. I like, 100%. Game one, even though the Cavs were shooting lights out of the ball, that was, I believe, a tie game either very early in the fir- in the fourth quarter or very late in the third. Um, the second game, obviously, was a nail-biter, even though the final margin of victory, I think, was like nine points. And then the last game, you know, the, the, the Knicks made their push towards the end, ended up winning by was 16 points or 14 points. 14 points. Mm-hmm. Um, which is one of the Cavs' largest margins of victory of the season because, they again, they do not get blown out. Okay, we've talked about this enough. You made your pick. I made my pick. I I'm, I just want to see good basketball. I want to see a good series. I want to see a hard-fought series. If we get to Game 5 and it's 2-2, at that point, I'm, I'm very comfortably going to be like, whatever happens, it's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, last thoughts, Jeremy, before we get out of here? Just a- Good hard fought series. And, you know, if you're listening to this today and you're able to make it out there to uh, come to, to the watch party at Penn Six, then please do. It's at 132 West 31st Street. Should be a lot of fun. Starts around five o'clock. I am actually expecting it to be pretty packed, to be quite honest. So oh, I think it's, it's going to be a good crowd. <laughs> uh, we're going to have people upstairs. I would imagine there's going to be plenty of spillover downstairs too. So come out. Hang out with uh, with me, I guess, because John will be. Yeah, I, I, have, I have duties. Andrew have duties. also has duties with John. So, you know, let's let's just let's make the most of it. Let's have fun. It'll be a great series. And uh, we got great content. So we're, we're set. What about my duties with John? Don't you heard me. I said that on purpose. <laughs> Thank you. John completely missed it, which is I why know. I wanted to acknowledge it. Yes. Yeah. Um. Thank you, Jeremy. Um, you're gonna have a blast tomorrow. I'm sure everybody will have a blast. God, I hope they win that game. Um, I think games one. I think game one is gonna be important. Uh, so we we keep our fingers crossed. And uh, if what's that? Keep them Robert crossed. Keep your fingers Robert crossed. Yeah. Yes. It's the only way he's getting 53 wins if they win this series. So yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, all right. Uh, for Andrew Claudio, Jeremy Cohen, I am John of the Macri. Thank you for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. We will, of course, have uh post game for you live after the Cavs game excited for that and then uh Jeremy and I will be back uh to put a little extra color on whatever happens in game one 
that pod will be dropping uh, our usual time Sunday into Monday at midnight and then not a ton of turnaround time uh, till game two on Tuesday so uh, all that's coming up till then catch you soon peace out